If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hi, everyone. It's Michelle Cassidy and Jonathan Carey, the Places editors at Atlas Obscura. In today's episode, we want to acknowledge the people who help bring us stories from around the world. Right now, there are more than 23,000 places in Atlas Obscura's database. These have been compiled over the last decade by not just our staff, but by a huge and varied group of contributors. Together, this community has put together thousands of entries that cover lots of different places from the iconic gates of hell in Turkmenistan to the world's largest pistachio, a roadside attraction in New Mexico. Now, a while back, we took a closer look at exactly where all of these wonderful, curious places were located. And what we found was, while we had covered, obviously, thousands of fascinating places, most of them were in the United States and Europe. And when it came to other parts of the world, our map was looking a little sparse. And so we on the Places team set out on a mission to fix that. Now, this is not something that we could do on our own. We needed help from people who could tell us about the places in Africa and South America and Asia and Oceania that you wouldn't find in a typical travel guide or by sort of Googling around. We've worked with a number of talented writers who've helped us to expand the atlas and learn about some really fascinating history and culture along the way. One of those writers is Maggie Andresen, a journalist and photographer who's worked in South Africa and Rwanda and Nigeria and Burundi, lots of places. In today's episode, you'll hear about two places that Maggie has shared with us, two unique markets in Africa that offer a glimpse into resilient and creative communities. First, we're going to Eritrea, a small country in East Africa that lies along the coast of the Red Sea. In Medabur Market, the air is hot and strong with the smell of burning metal and the sound of pounding hammers. Sparks fly around welders, many of whom are wearing elaborate masks made out of cardboard and plastic and scrap metal. They're just one example of the craftsmanship on display here, a place where discarded objects are transformed into everything from daily necessities to home decor. This is a scrap metal market that lies at the heart of the recycling industry in Eritrea. Now, if you're a little lost, Eritrea is a small country in East Africa, 
It shares borders with Sudan to the west, Ethiopia to the south, and Djibouti to the southeast. Its capital city is Asmara, which sits more than 7,000 feet above sea level on a highland plateau in the center of the country. Back in the days before European colonization, it was a large village known as Arbate Asmara, which in the Tigrinya language roughly translates to the women have united the villages. According to local history, a group of women encouraged the leaders of four clans on the plateau to consolidate their settlements into a single village. In that village was a caravanserai, a sort of roadside inn and meeting place that served the people traveling along trade routes that extended throughout Asia, North Africa, and Southeast Europe. Now, travelers and traders had been passing through this region for centuries. But in the mid-1800s, an unprecedented wave of European intervention began on the African continent. During this time, which we now know as the scramble for Africa, Italy occupied Eritrea and declared it as one of their colonies. This highland village was named the capital of the colony, and in the early 20th century, an Italian architect redesigned Asmara into his vision of a modern Art Deco city. That old trading post became a market for scrap materials, because during colonial occupation, the high tariffs and import fees made a lot of daily necessities and goods way too expensive for most locals to buy. Instead, they found ways to work with what they had, and even after Eritrea became an independent country, the market stuck around. If you go to Metabur today, you'll find piles of metal, rubber, and wood, and plastic rising up to create maze-like walls. Artisans and craftspeople take these materials and turn them into essential items, like kitchen appliances and furniture. You can get an oven made out of an old oil drum, a shovel, or a rake made from a piece of metal that used to be a car frame. And there are decorative objects, too. There are intricately shaped metal crosses and small pieces of art. There's even a spice market inside Metabur. But one of the best-known finds at the market are the shida, which is a type of sandal fashioned out of old tires. They're similar in shape to the jelly sandals that were popular in the 80s and 90s, but instead of blister-inducing neon plastic, they're made out of thick black rubber. These sandals were the footwear of choice for fighters during Eritrea's war for independence from Ethiopia. And they've become such an important symbol in Eritrea that a giant metal set of Shida was erected in the middle of a small park just a few miles from Metabur Market. They're a testament to the small country's spirit of self-reliance. There are still a lot of hidden wonders in the world that we have yet to talk about, and we would love to have your help. We want to hear about the most fascinating places that you've seen in Africa, but also in South America and Asia and Oceania, especially the places that are outside of bigger cities. Next up, my colleague Jonathan will tell you about a story that takes place in Kigali, Rwanda.
Kigali is the capital of Rwanda, and Niarambo is a neighborhood within Kigali, and actually one of the busiest. See vibrant buildings line the streets, and many are covered in street art. There are also markets filled with colorful fabrics, and food vendors seem to almost exist on every corner. The Niarambo Women's Center is a red clay-colored structure that kind of sort of resembles a storefront. But as soon as you walk in, you're likely to be greeted by the smell of traditional meals, the hum of sewing machines, and the sigh of a number of women artisans crafting clothing, children's items, and home decor. You see, all the products here are handmade out of shitenge, which is a traditional African fabric, or woven with local materials like banana or palm leaves. You see, the Women's Center is a hub of activity, and it's also a hub of progressiveness and hope in the face of a dark, dark past. Most people at least know about the Rwandan genocide in 1994, when members of the ethnic majority Hutus killed upwards of 800,000 from ethnic minorities in Rwanda, the Tutsis, the Twa, and the moderate Hutus. The tragic events actually began in Kigali. After the Civil War, it was estimated that women made up around 70% of the total population in Rwanda. And in 2007, the Rwandan parliament had the highest representation of women than any governing body in the world, well over 40%. However, these signs of progress didn't really trickle down to the women of Kigali many of whom still faced extreme levels of discrimination, gender-based violence, and inequality. These circumstances actually what led 18 local women to create the Niarambo Women's Center. And what basically started as a small self-help group quickly became a community center and business. Today, the center provides a livelihood for more than 50 women. But here's the part that I really love about the center. You see, when tourists visit the Niarambo Women's Center, they get a lot more than just a tour. Visitors get to actually experience some of Rwanda's rich history and culture. There are basket weaving workshops where participants are not only working with local material called sisal fiber, but they're also getting to learn a cultural overview of the importance of that fiber. And if you take one of the cooking classes at the Women's Center, it's off to one of the local markets to fetch ingredients. From there, you'll head over to one of the guides' homes for a traditional cooking lesson. I mean, these are the type of community tourism stories that we just love to read and hear about here at Atlas. It's a kind of community tourism where you just don't visit a place. You actually get to experience the place. And more importantly, you get to experience the people. And this is what I really love about working on the Atlas. It's bringing these hidden places that are just filled with culture, wonder, and interaction to the light. To learn more about the Women's Center, check out this entry on Atlas Obscura. Thank you so much to journalist and photographer Maggie Andresen for sharing these stories from across the continent with us. If you have stories or places that you want to tell us about, you can fill out the form at atlasobscura.com or send us an email at places at atlasobscura.com. We can't wait to hear from you. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Baudelaire Seuss, 
Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson. John Delore. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by... Manolo Morales. And mixed by... Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Michelle Cassidy. Until next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.